You're listening to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast. Here's the deal. If you make disciples by sitting around and talking, you shouldn't be surprised when your disciples sit around and talk and talk and talk. This is the podcast for those weary of just talking and ready to start activating in the mission Jesus gave us to change the world. The Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast, where disciples and disciple makers gather to grow and go together. Here's your host, Dr. Matt Friedemann. Hey, disciple makers. Good to have you with us today. Real good to have you with us today. Remember, the place for a man, for a woman completing all their powers is in the fight. And right now today, somewhere in the world, making disciples of the nation. So stay tuned, stay encouraged. We have a rendezvous with destiny. Hey, it's been great to being have a program that's back and working and operating again. And so very, very glad that you're with us. Thank you for joining us. And uh, just want to remind you, tell everybody you know about the podcast. Uh, word of mouth is a great way to do things. Uh, also want you to know that, you know, we we on this program are big on something called 5Q discipleship. It's a discipleship pattern based on the 5Q method of discipleship. We just call these five questions that will change your life. And whenever I do a discipleship group, this is what we're doing. And it's highly regarded. It's all over the world. It's going great guns. There's a book that you can get on amazon.com called the 5Q method of discipleship put out by Telios Press. I want you to get that book. And if you just like say, well, I don't know about the book. Maybe first of all, I'd like to see what it's all about. You can do that by getting the quick start guide at 5qdiscipleship.com. That's five and then the letter Q, the number five, the letter Q, 5qdiscipleship.com. And you can get the quick start guide. And I think it'll help you uh, kind of understand a little bit more about it. Then I think you'll probably want to read more about it and get the book and kind of keep moving on, but it, it, it's great stuff. And I'm all about getting together and trying to deepen lives and have other people deepen my life. Uh, I'm in several of these groups every, uh, every, every week. I got a couple of pastors groups that have been going on for 10 years running. And these guys, uh, Man, they're they're the God's tremendous gift to me, and these five questions uh, always do the trick. I mean, they just they're they're wonderful. So I want you to be sure to check them out as soon as possible. I think you'll be very grateful that you did so. Now, I have been gone uh, for the last couple of weeks uh, doing what they call revivals. I don't know if any of you are you know still aware of revivals. They're still happening out there. Uh, one was a revival at a university, uh, Ohio Christian University. So I was uh, there, was there for several days, and the Lord blessed. Uh, people were up at the altar crying out to God for extended periods of time. It was just a beautiful thing. I think Jesus did some great things there. Then I traveled to Kilgore, Texas. There are a couple of churches there that wanted me to come and do a revival with two churches at the same time. And the Lord blessed us there as well. And so very grateful for the leadership that uh, God's using in those churches. Now, having said that, revival meetings, I think for a lot of people, they're kind of a, a thing of the past. There's no question that, that they're on the wane as a, a dynamic that leads us forward as a church. There was a time when if you're a happening church at all, you would have one or two of these things a, a year. It's just basically special preacher come in and uh, really engage um, the people and turn them on to the possibilities of uh, salvation and sanctification. And it just was a, a nice thing. The, the problem with them seemed to be they didn't seem particularly helpful or relevant if you really wanted to grow your church. 
In other words, if they were once fruitful, they seem to be waning as a fruitful dynamic for the church. They were seen as very time expensive in a culture that that saw itself as time strapped and typically kind of a bit ambiguous as to the purpose or the desired outcomes. So I just thought, well, is there a better way to do them? And I think probably there is a better way to do them. Um, I think having a special speaker come in is great, but why? I think the first thing you really do in in a revival, I just got real quick, four quick points here. I think if you're going to do a revival, you probably ought to have a desired a behavioral outcome in mind. For instance, what do we want to see after this speaker is gone? What would we like to see happen in our church over the next six to eight months? I mean, more evangelism. Do we want increased giving? Do we want uh, more practice of, of, of prayer and fasting and Bible study? Do we want more ministries uh, headed out? Uh, what we always say is more ministries running to the sound of the pain where there's a need out there. We want to run to it and establish a ministry that will be happening every month or every week. Uh, do we want more small groups? Do, hey, how about this one? Do, you want, do we want to plant a church out of this revival? Is there something we really want? And just to say we want people saved and sanctified probably isn't enough if indeed you don't have some kind of framework to put those people in once the guy's left. So you need to set goals. You need to set objectives and really then begin your prayer time for the upcoming speaker and the upcoming special event. Really pray over those goals and pray over those objectives. Then having some goals and objectives in mind. We want to plan a church or we want five more uh, works of mercy coming out of this church, five more ministries to the pained and to the, uh, to the people in need of healing and the people who are needy and poor, or do we want for people to pray more? Do we want more evangelism? Whatever it is, set those goals, set those objectives. Don't do too many. I, I, I particularly starting out this, I just make them modest, but make them profound as well. Then ask who's the best speaker. Who's the best preacher? Who's the best seminar deliverer that can get us to that outcome? Don't don't just ask the guy in because he's a good speaker or that he's known as a revivalist. Get someone in that can help you do those things. So uh, there was a church um, that my son served at years ago. And uh, the question of who should we have in for revival this year? And that's basically what they're asking. Uh, Who is the speaker? Who could we have come in here and really inspire us. And my son uh, asked a question. He said, why do we do revivals? Now, that was the, the question is probably a little bit out of place because that's not what they were discussing. They want to know who's a revival, but, you know, good question always. And so they began thinking, well, we do it for evangelism. We do it so more people will come uh, into the kingdom. More people will come to know Jesus. Okay. So who were the last really good revival speakers that we had. And so they say, well, there was this evangelist that came in and they were extraordinary. They did a great job. There was extended revival. It didn't just last for the three or four days that we had planned. It went on for two weeks and that evangelist didn't leave. For those two weeks, God moved. There was tremendous things. I mean, people were coming to know the Lord and there was a healings and it was a work of God. It happened on two different occasions. And, uh, and so my son says, wow, so 
it was an uplift for the church. I said, yeah, apparently it was. He says, well, can we look at the statistics? And they look back at the statistics and found out that one of the years that that evangelist was in, and they had a great move of God, the church grew by two that year. That was a church of 200 or so, 150, 200. Church grew by two. The other year when uh, that evangelist came in and there was a great move of God, it was a net minus one on the year. In other words, what they really wanted out of it that is church growth or more evangelism or people coming to know the Lord and sticking in there with the church, it hadn't really delivered. So we got to get real with some of this stuff. And I find that's always true with things we really want. We need to get real. We need to see some real data. We need to understand what works, what doesn't work. So again, I think if you're going to throw something like a revival or anything that you hope will help you grow. You need to understand what your real desire, what your real behavioral outcome is going to be, what you want, what do you want to pray for? You set those goals and objectives and you begin praying, you begin fasting. You'd say, who's the best possible speaker to help us with this goal, to help us get us to the place where we're getting done what ought to be done. Now, the the, the, the fourth thing I would say is this. Remember now, number one, decide your outcomes. Number two, set goals and objectives. Number three, ask who can we get? Go book the best speaker preacher seminar delivered to get you to that outcome. Four is how about making this thing comprehensive? In other words, instead of just let's have this person come in and do some kind of prayer emphasis, why don't you do something like Rick Warren did for that thing called 40 Days of Purpose? Now, I don't know what you know about Rick Warren. I don't know if you like him or dislike him, but it really doesn't matter because he had a great idea for 40 days of purpose. Uh, What he did was he took his book, The Purpose Driven Church, and kind of rewrote it so that there would be 40 days of reading you could do prior prior to an event. And so do these 40 days of reading together as a congregation prior to the event some book, some devotional that's outcome related. And uh, so I decided, well, let me make up that book. Uh, And I had something, we put something together and get it at amazon.com if you wanted to, just 40 days of a passion for excellence. Also have 50 days, 50 things to learn about the Holy Spirit. That's a 50 day book along the same thing, but a passion for excellence was one of the things we came up with. So that was one of the things we did. Uh, So have everybody on the same page, reading the same thing together across 40 days before your event. Then have some memorization work prior to the event. And so with that same resource, Passion for Holiness, we have memory work that the whole church is working on together. So a different passage every week, but here's some things we're memorizing together. Then how about some uh, science school and small group lesson emphases prior to the event? And so everyone is, let's say holiness is going to be the event. Holiness is what we want to see more of. Okay, let's do some memory work on it. Let's have all the small groups and Sunday school classes uh, doing lesson emphases prior to that event. Then have six weeks of a fasting and prayer emphasis. Last churches I was at, they all said, okay, about five meals a week we'd like to see you do without so that you can lift up this event, lift up this a holiness emphasis we've got coming. Then six weeks of preaching from the pastors on the theme of that holiness or whatever overarching emphasis you want to press in on. Then comes the big event. But notice what just happened. 
everybody's on the same page. They're reading together. They're memorizing together. Small groups are together. There's a fasting and prayer emphasis together. There's preaching to say, here we go on this emphasis and here it comes and in comes the big event. And I preached on holiness. That's what happened the last. Then to have a committee to follow up and instill, make sure those desired outcomes actually happen. And you continue to have a prayer emphasis and regular congregation reporting and celebration of the achieved outcomes. Now, all that seems to be a lot better way of doing a revival than simply having a guy come in and preach. Now, to prove my point here, let's go back to somebody called John Wesley. A gentleman named George Hunter wrote a book called To Spread the Power. He says, when you think about John Wesley's entire strategy, it could be probably summarized in four maxims. Number one, preach and visit in as many places as you can. Number two, go where they want you the most. Number three, start as many classes as can be effectively managed. And number four, do not preach where you cannot follow up your effort. All right. Number one, preach and visit many places you can. Number two, go go where they want you the most, the receptivity principle there. Number three, start as many follow-up classes as you possibly can. And number four, don't even preach. Don't have a revival. Don't have an emphasis on holiness where you cannot follow up your effort. And there's all kinds of famous quotes by him. For instance, maybe the most famous Wesley quote on this is, I just determined by the grace of God not to strike one stroke in any place where I cannot follow up the blow. Whoa. So he says, follow up the blow simply means if I can't stay around one way or another with groups or classes or bands or something that's going to follow up on the decisions people have made, I am not going to preach at all there. So it was that important to him. He said this in his journal on uh, in 1763, he says, you know, I was more convinced than ever that the preaching like an apostle without joining together those that are awakened and training them up in the ways of God is only begetting children for the murderer. How much preaching has there been for these 20 years all over Pembrokeshire? But no regular societies, no discipline, no order connection. And the consequence is that nine in 10 of the once awakened are now faster asleep than ever. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. What he's saying here is, listen, we've done it over and over again. We've preached and we didn't follow up and we're only begetting children for Satan as the murderer. They're now faster asleep than ever. Actually preaching without following up meant you were doing more harm than actual good. Now, he had a lot of question answer format in his uh, in his works. And so here comes a question. Is it advisable, John Wesley, for us to preach in as many places as we can without forming societies, in other words, groups, to follow things up? The answer was, by no means. We have made the trial in various places and that for a considerable time. But all the seed has fallen by the highway side. There's scarce any fruit remaining. So start thinking in terms of what would we really like to see come out of this special emphasis of the church, maybe called a revival in your church. And all of a sudden, if you do things with serious and concentrated and concerted plans to both lead up to it and follow it up, I think you're going to begin loving what revivals can do for your church. 
And by the way, revival doesn't have to be an old time revival meeting. It might be a seminar that you're going to put on. But the whole point is you want to make sure you're doing something that's going to be tremendous for your church and simply people getting excited for a few days or a couple of weeks, them getting excited is not going to last very long once the speaker leaves or once the emphasis is over. But this, this could set in place some things that could change life for decades to come. I mean, we ought to be able to get excited about it. Real quick, I want to share with you uh, my, about my friend named Ethan Kellen. He, he runs something called Providence Capital Management, and they are a new sponsor on the program. They specialize in personal and institutional investment management. So you need to visit Providence cm.com to learn more uh, or you can just get a hold of Ethan if you want Ethan at providencecm.com but Ethan can help you with your capital management he can help you with personal management i think you would very much love to talk with Ethan so i'm a big Ethan Kelly fan and i trust him so check out Ethan Kelly again that's providencecm.com or just get a hold of him at Ethan at providencecm Dot com. Now, let's get back to this revival thing one more time. I think if we don't do this better paradigm thing, we're really wasting our time. And as Wesley said, even over 200 years ago, he said, and we might be doing more harm than good. Now, if revival meetings are passed for your church, I still think it's great to have a couple of special emphases every year. But if you're going to have a special emphasis, why not do it well? plan on the outcomes you want to see from the special emphases and plan on what you are going to do to make sure those special emphases come to fruition. So if you're going to have a men's uh, uh, revival or a, a men's weekend, why not plan for it? Decide what you want from it and have a committee follow up. And I think a great thing there would be, let's have a lot more discipleship groups and let's have one more work of mercy, work of ministry. Let's have some increased evangelism. There's all kinds of wonderful things you could do, but they're not going to happen if you don't prepare for them and if you don't follow up to make those kinds of things happen. So I just think there are all kinds of things we ought to be able to do if we are sensitive to the fact that things ought to be prepared for and things ought to be followed up. And yeah, behavioral outcomes are very achievable if we just pay attention. So it's a wrap today. Been an honor to have you listening to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast with Matt Friedman. Hey, check us out on Facebook. Check me out on Twitter. Or as far as that goes, check me out on uh, Facebook as well. And uh, always be sure that uh, you know that this podcast is something that only works because you tell other people about it. So do that. And I want you to know, my wife thanks you, my daughter thanks you, my sons and their wives thank you. And I can assure you that I thank you for listening to Life-Changing Discipleship Today. Love God, live clean, keep the faith, make disciples. God bless you, dear friends. We'll see you back here real soon. Mm-hmm.